0: Hello, this is Blue Gal of the Professional Left. This is a bonus podcast of an interview with Driftglass by Greg Bush on the program Evening Edition on KOPN Columbia, Missouri on May 22, 2012. We are grateful to Greg Bush and KOPN for permission to rebroadcast.
1: And we are back. Uh, This is Evening Edition. My name is Greg Bush, and this is 89.5 KOPN Columbia. Mark Heim again, is away on assignment, and with me on the phone right now is an award-winning blogger and one half of the Professional Left podcast. His name is Driftglass. Driftglass, welcome to KPON.
2: Thank you, Greg. I'm glad to be
1: here. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Yui and I spoke before, actually, uh, when I was subbing in for another show. Uh, and uh, I am really happy that you've uh, decided to come back. I had a great time. There's a lot of really great feedback. And uh, let's just... Uh, why don't you tell a little bit of uh, folks what it is you like to do, not only in your spare time, huh. uh, but... Uh, uh, we're going to get to a bunch of stuff here, but just give us a little bit of feedback. What is what is drift glass in... Uh, 30 seconds or less.
2: Um, (laughs) By day, unemployed, (laughs) former changer of the world, uh, still looking for a gig Mm. uh, with an extensive background in lots of government stuff. Um, Basically, a third of what you heard on the President's Day of the Union address I used to do. Um, And if you hear a beep at the end of the line here, I have someone trying to cut in, so please excuse me. Um, I also, uh, by day, I, blog as Drift Class, as an Illinois-based, Chicago-based liberal blogger, and I've been blogging continuously about culture and politics and media, literature and so forth for about seven years, and I'm married to the amazing blue gal, and -hmm. she has been blogging for over seven years, curse her, (laughs) and uh, also continuously, and we blog together as the professional left, and uh, I was Chicago-based for a very long time, and now I live uh, in downstate Illinois, a happy stepfather to some kids and uh, some wonderful children. And uh, now I'm talking to Greg Bush on the radio. So that catches you up with... Uh, th- uh,
1: that does. And you you are one of uh, some a small group of people, I will say, that makes sure that uh, liberal and progressive is not a dirty word. That is a badge that you kind of wear oh, yeah. proudly.
2: Absolutely. One of the, one of the things that uh, Blue Gal and I emphasize uh, with some caution, there are some cautions that go with this, is that one of the things liberals can do actively on a street level wherever you live is to out yourself as a liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways to do this that are kind and um, compassionate and <laughs> none, uh, don't involve picking fights in bars. But the, uh, and there are, uh, you should use a little caution doing this. We know people for a fact who if, if they out of themselves or when they out themselves lost business people stop talking to them. People, you know, this is this is McCarthyism time and liberals and progressives are treated as pariah in lots of communities especially south of that Mason Dixon line. And so, but the only way I think that we as liberals as a community can really make change from the ground up one of the most important ways is showing people we know, people we're in contact with at our churches and schools and so forth that the stereotype they have of liberals is wrong it is a caricature invented out of whole cloth by rush limbaugh and carl rove and it is a useful um, straw man but it is completely inaccurate and wrong because that's all they know all these people know all conservatives know for the most part are what they hear on fox news and what they read in the blaze and washington times places like that and showing them no no if you show them look i'm a liberal i'm a parent i go to pta meetings i love my kids i've worked hard all my life i'm struggling the same way you're struggling i care if my kids have a decent future you know like kennedy said about uh, you know we're all mortal and we all inhabit the same planet and we all cherish our children's future and um, that's a real thing a liberals can do to really move the ball forward it won't show up on any polls but it really does make a difference
1: and there is something that you do as well that is, you kind of draw a lot of parallels with respect to, like, the, the false equivalency mm-hmm. of, uh, and something that you didn't just mention just now, but I know you've mentioned before, and a lot of my uh, contemporaries and people younger than I don't know what this is, but I want you to educate the sure. audience. I'm going to talk about, or I want you to talk about Newt Gingrich and the GOPAC memo.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um once upon a time, kids gather around the radio. Uncle Driftglass <laughs> tell you a story. That's right. Once upon a time, a very, very long time ago, um, and this—I will precede this story by saying the—the—the the, uh, the part about Newt Gingrich is preceded by twenty years of the same behavior leading up to this moment. Right. Yes. Um, so this is a continuum that's been going on for the last, arguably, forty to fifty years. But Newt Gingrich. Um, swept into the uh, house and you know, took control of the house in 1994 and um a couple of details of that takeover were lost to history one of the first ones was that um rush limbaugh was given great credit for getting them in he was given a virtual parade he was fetted by um leaders of the republican party he was called the majority maker um so every, and this is you know this is Limbaugh was a powerhouse in the GOP way back then, and so when all of your conservative friends every time Rush says something you know incredibly outrageous because that's his job, shrug it off as a mere entertainer. Say no, 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 no. He ran. He's been running your party for at least the last twenty years because your party leaders said so. And the second important thing was that Newt Gingrich, uh, using this organization called GOPAC, created a training video, and he trained. The House of Representatives, the freshman class, and he said, Every time you're at a camera, every time you're in front of a microphone, here is a list of words. It was truly Orwellian. He gave them a list of words to always use when describing Democrats. It was coward, yellow, traitor, un American, bureaucratic, and just keep repeating it over and over and over again. And if we all do it all the time, relentlessly, eventually, We'll just pound it into the subconscious of this country that that's what liberals are. No matter what you do, repeat these magic words over and over again. And he sent forth his little army of goons to do that, and they did. And they created, quite deliberately, on a massive scale, using straight-up Stalinist propaganda techniques, uh, caricature of liberals. They deliberately demonized what it was to be a liberal for political advantage. And part of the fault of the left or at least the democratic party was they rolled over yes uh they tried and and this is where liberals like me just pull our hair out or what's left of our hair um (laughs) this this was greeted by the great attempt to compromise well let's find a bipartisan solution shall we i'm sure both sides are equally wrong i'm sure both sides are at fault and using that combination of relentless driving of the political conversation to the far, 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 far right by people like Gingrich, using explicit, demonizing language. And the cult of the Democratic uh, Leadership Council to yes. compromise always. Mm-hmm. The Tom Friedman approach, always compromise. The David Brooks approach, always compromise. There's always fault to be found on both sides.
1: It's us, they, oh, your job to compromise. It's never their job to compromise. Exactly. It's your job Absolutely. to compromise. And, and they <laughs> pounded into
2: the skulls of right. the Average, lazy, American voter, the moderates, the centrists, the middles, the ones who don't want to get into a fight, the ones who don't want to argue, it pounded into their minds this, this mantra that both sides are always wrong. Um, there's a joke I tell on the liberal circuit, and it's funny because I wrote it, um, and it goes as follows. <laughs> Dick Cheney is found on the White House lawn throwing burning kittens at homeless veterans. What are the first three words out of David Gregory's mouth on Meet the Press? And the first three words will always be, But the Democrats. Because no matter what conservatives do, no matter what outrages or atrocities they commit, hardwired into our media is to automatically ascribe to some fictional group of people called the left or the liberals some equal amount of sin in this regard, which allows the right to keep marching rightward. And the thing that changed really around 2003-2004 with blogging, is that a small group of liberals suddenly had access to media. They started screaming that this was all a lie. And uh, that's why I say centrism, centrism is the biggest political lie of our generation. It is the big lie that makes all the little lies possible. Because every time you corner a conservative, Every time you find them screwing up badly or lying through their teeth or, or catch them out or confront them with another hideously grotesque abuse of power or atrocity or passel of lies being told by somebody, their, their fallback defense is always, well, liberals are just as bad. Liberals do it, too. And that's what excuses them. And if you let them get away with that, then we're just going to keep sliding further and further right because we keep seeding half the field, half the field, half the field. And that's the history of Newt Gingrich, GOPAC, Limbaugh, and why this country is so screwed up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny that you should say this on uh, a radio here in Missouri. Uh, I don't know if you... You probably don't follow a lot about Missouri politics. uh,
2: Well, I will say I have I have uh, family from down there. Oh, well, there you Don't go. I not it closely, but I do have family uh, from Missouri.
1: Missouri, oh. that's right. Uh, and I am from the, the Chicago area originally, uh, out in the suburbs. But uh, I am just now on our Missouri House of Representatives website. And on our website, they just updated it uh, yesterday. Um, and last week, uh, inducted into the Hall of Famous Missourians at the oh. state capitol. Uh, was a famous Missourian, uh, by the name of Dred Scott, uh, yeah. who is, uh, was self taught to read and, uh, a phenomenal individual by okay. any account. Uh, and then we have somebody else who was, uh, inducted in a private ceremony, kind of, and he's at mid career right now, so we don't know where this career will go, but, uh, his name is Rush Limbaugh. And he now has, is in the Hall of Famous Missourians. There's only a handful of people that are actually inducted when they're alive uh, into mm-hmm. the Hall, like Bob Barker. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's in there <laughs> as well, and he's still alive, you know. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, but he's had a career. Like, we know how his career basically wound up. Yeah,
2: uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, and it arced in the right direction. You know, <laughs> it wasn't like he went from being a a schlub to being a monster you know, that, uh, indeed limbaugh went from being a you know two-bit radio hustler and then uh and what changed limbaugh's career really made his career was uh reagan getting rid of the fairness doctrine yes it was it was almost you know just just hours after yeah you know, that's an exaggeration but months after um and i don't know if you recall since we're doing you know local trivia do you remember the remember the federal judges who finally over who, who finally agreed with reagan Republicans have been trying to overturn the Fairness Doctrine for years and years and years. They kept falling afoul with the federal judges. Two federal judges on the federal circuit made it a, th- a two-to-one decision to give Reagan the authority to basically gut the Fairness Doctrine and make creatures like Limbaugh possible. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the names
1: of those two federal judges? Uh, I'm going to go – I really – I don't. But I'm going to say that one of them could have been uh, – no, he was appointed by Reagan. Mm-hmm. I was going to say – oh, so he was appointed by – I would say Scalia would be one. Yep. Oh, really? And then yep. I, I got to say Clarence Thomas? Robert Bork. Robert. Oh, the other one, the one that they yep. that they that they turned his last name into a verb.
2: Yeah, Robert Bork, H- yes. before that was most famous for um, selling out under Nixon. He was a Solicitor General. Right, he was that the guy I mean. who Nixon finally dragged out of bed at 2 in the morning to help him commit treason <laughs> right. by firing everybody who was investigating <laughs> him all right. at
0: once. Uh-huh.
2: And he finally found someone who had such little respect for the Constitution that he would go along with Nixon. That man's name is Robert Bork, and he w- has been rewarded... For his, you know, his total um, uh, partisan hackitude his entire career by federal appointments and so on and so forth. Right. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't surprise me because you have to put in both, you know.
1: Because both sides really need to be represented. Oh, well, so, sure. Yeah, yeah. Both sides. Bob Barker and Rush Limbaugh. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think that uh, somebody else who, who was admitted while he was still alive, uh, and this was back in two thousand six, is John Ashcroft, who's in the same wing uh, as Rush Limbaugh and uh, Harry Truman, Great as a wing. matter of fact. Um, yeah, no, the, oh, yeah, in the same. And I think I was always kind of funny because Rush uh, or John Ashcroft. We had. Uh, I mean, there was a. St- I wasn't living here at the time, but there was actually a state election of John Ashcroft and. Uh, yeah. Uh, he lost to a dead guy, so I don't know how famous mm-hmm. he really is. Uh, to lose to a dead person on uh, for uh, for governor, I think it was, and then he ended well, up becoming attorney general. So
2: there you go, waving facts around again.
1: Yeah, it's why you get
2: in trouble. This is why you'll <laughs> never amount to anything. He's uh, those facts around. And if if your listeners want for for cheap amusement, since you know I'm long term, I'm long-term, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a classically discouraged worker. I've been unemployed for many months. Mm, i'm sorry to over hear that. that age where they start looking at the age on the resume and i know way too much about how the employment system works to have a lot of um encouragement so i, I go for cheap humor <laughs> you know my, my, I get my ch- i get my cheap laughs where i can find them all right or your amusement next time your conservative friends um pull this nonsense and you, know, you catch them in the corner and they both sides stuff um make them name one yes yeah, that's, that's true Name one. Mm-hmm. Name me one prominent liberal who is every bit as nuts and as counterproductive and destructive as as uh, as Rush Limbaugh or as Newt Gingrich or as Tom Delay. And you can go down long, go through the entire religious list. Start with Jerry Falwell, through Wildmont, and the rest of those people. Work your way down. There simply isn't a comparison on the left to those people in terms of power, um, direction, and real villainy. And um, that's where the whole argument falls apart. When you start put, when you push it down one level lower the actual level of fact. And if your readers or listeners are interested, I did a long post on 1972 and why 1972 is important to have in for this conversation. And I'll give you a, a short sketch of it if you'd like. I'd like it. But I know you
1: have a lot you want to get to. I, I do have a lot I want to get to. I want to remind listeners that you are listening to 89.5 KOP in Columbia. My name is Greg Bush. This is a very special edition of the Evening Edition. Mark Heim is away on assignment. He uh, shall be returning next week. And my guest is award winning uh, blogger and proud, uh, unashamed liberal Driftglass, who is now going to share with us uh, uh, the significance of 1972.
2: Well, the year was 1972, <laughs> Greg, and America was and war yes. overseas, and of course you never made that mistake again, would we? And no. We, we right. learned from that. No more wars in Asia for us. No, sir. <laughs> not at all. Um, 1972 was the year of uh, George McGovern ran for president. And 1972 was the year of, you know, arguably, when, you, when, when conservatives look to the past, they, they look at... Jimmy Carter as the big swear word for being a liberal. But even above and beyond that is George McGovern, who just got stomped in that election, lost 49 states, got creamed uh, mm-hmm. by Richard Nixon. So if you are a centrist and you really, really want to believe in centrism, go back to 1972 and read the Democratic Party platform, at the absolute apotheosis of wild-haired, dirty, hippie liberalism. Yeah which would have been George McGovern. And look at all the things they were in favor of. They were in favor of free markets. They were in favor of leaving people alone. They were in favor of freedom of religion. Look through there. You won't find any nationalizing industries. You won't find any attempt to um, put people in camps. You won't find anything that smacks of any kind of liberal thinking that would be out of place anywhere today. But that was the most liberal the Democratic Party ever got. Then look at Richard Nixon wage and price control richard nixon yes osha richard nixon environmental protection agency richard nixon and start with that as your baseline and then tell me what happened to the democratic party for the next forty years just draw a line and draw a line where where the republican party went from richard nixon to george w bush and there simply is no way in the world you can look at how that graph goes and tell me that staying in the middle is where a person can honestly say that they, they, they should be or could be, unless they're grossly dishonest or completely delusional or, you know, again, just lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. The, the Democratic Party went right. The Republican Party went way right. And yet we're still having this argument that there's this extreme liberals on one side and extreme conservatives on the other and rational people belong in the middle. Go back and read the Democratic Party platform in '72. That's where the party still is for the most part. It's gone nowhere since then. And so if you have people who are amenable to facts, that's a fact you can throw at them. Mm -hmm. Of course, one of the problems is they're really not amenable to facts anymore, are they, Greg?
1: Well, no, and uh, that's true. Uh, And and doing a little bit of research for this, I wanted to get uh, your take on uh, uh, kind of have a liberal response to what I see as a part of the I don't want to say – the conservative media, I don't know, like conservative uh, – people who self-identify as conservatives I don't really think are, and so conservative isn't a dirty word to me, uh, much in the same way that liberal isn't a dirty word uh, to people. But people that self-identify as I am the conservative movement and I am this, that's you kind of – odd to me i'm like no you're you're really not uh mm-hmm. to conserve means that you you know on earth day maybe you'll turn your lights down a little bit that's what you know conservatives people who actually conserve do uh yeah. what you're talking about is is something else entirely you're talking when people say that i'm a conservative they basically really mean corporatist like they are uh, you
2: you're know, a, a radical reactionary or a
1: corporatist yes you
2: are either a fundamentalist christianist or a corporatist
1: or both right and so i so when i i hear when when you say conservative i i i know who you're talking about because (laughs) i i went to red state uh (laughs) today in in doing this and it's kind of painful actually and a little bit to uh and i went to drudge as well uh just to kind of see where they're at, and i wanted to get your take like there wasn't a whole lot on drudge uh it was it, it just kind of kept reloading, and it felt like it was giving my computer a virus, so I, I, I don't know that to be true. Bear in mind, I, I, for anybody who's listening, I'm not trying to say that somehow I got a virus, uh, but it always, it, 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 the website kind of jerks a lot, and it's very difficult, but I did see, one of the main, main stories was that there was a 15-foot snake loose in South Carolina, yeah, uh, which is pertinent. Uh mm-hmm. People in South Carolina and people who are herpetologists, uh, mm-hmm. and then there were a lot of things about something that I thought was put to bed a long time ago and is somehow making, uh, you know, a comeback. Is this what is what is called birtherism? Yeah, I saw that too. And I am yeah. so befuddled uh, uh, by that, uh, particularly because the. Governor of Hawaii, who's a Republican, yeah. uh, or was she, Lingle was her name. Uh, I can't remember who it is now. But then also like the Secretary of State, and, and all of these people have said, "This is, uh, this is." Lunacy. This is ridiculous. We're, Mm and this is not even a distraction. It's just a sideshow. It's a fire breather in the middle of, and we have real problems here in this circus we call this country. And you're looking at one, like a fire breather that's kind of not even in one of the three rings of the circus. And then Joe Arpaio, the sheriff from Arizona, who, Mm uh, is sending down investigators now because the secretary of state in Arizona wants to not put Uh, the president on the ballot because for whatever reason his disqualified yeah yeah right i want to make sure that he's qualified and there if anybody if any of the listeners actually get a chance go and read the uh uh emails back and forth between the secretary of state uh of uh arizona and who was it the health and human services secretary of hawaii they are hilarious Mm -hmm. uh and it has to do with uh, the Secretary of State of Arizona is saying, "How do I know that uh President or Barack Hussein Obama is really, is really born in this country? I need to see yeah. documentation, and the Secretary in Hawaii says, Well, how do I know you are the person that you say you are and that uh you're not that your account wasn 't hacked but how why do you need to have access to this thing Are you like here 's the reasons we can give out this information it 's like it's it 's really funny actually mm-hmm. uh, I would highly recommend uh so we're gonna. So that was drudge. So let's hear your take on birtherism, just just briefly, and then well, I have something else.
2: They, um, first of all, I would. I, you and I would have to respectfully disagree about conservatism semantically. Okay, um, and that's fair. Conser- conservatism is is a form of wherever you stand on Edmund Burke and whatever you know. People like Andrew Sullivan used to talk about in their dorm room, um, whatever they believed about Margaret Thatcher, and and the, and the, that's where a lot of our conservatives here, David from, David Brooks. Um, um, Andrew Sullivan are all from other countries. Yes, true. Um, they came. I, I truly believe they came into this country and transposed their fantasy of British conservatism onto the American conservative movement. And the American conservative movement is essentially the Birch Society.
1: It's Thank you. Mad. That's what I was thinking. Yes. If, yeah, yeah. They're Birchers. Exactly. Yes.
2: And and but they still they meet the definition of conservatism as long as you understand that the society they wish to conserve is 1855 South. They want to conserve the Confederacy. That's true. That's, and they really think that America just went to hell in a handbasket after they lost the War of Northern Aggression. Yes. And you can even find videos of these guys talking about, sure, we lost the war, because down there is always the war. You know, it's always present. It's always right there at the tips of their tongues. And secondly, what goes hand in glove with that is that Southern slavery... The, the Confederacy and the institution of slavery, which the, the North was guilty of and it was exported all over the place, read extremely close parallels to the conservative movement in, in the following way. You didn't just have slavery. You had an entire religious ideological structure that supported slavery, that said slavery was a noble Christian institution. Oh, that's that true. God intended mm-hmm. white, yes. straight men <laughs> to mm-hmm. rule over everyone else. Mm-hmm. That's God's plan. And if you violate God's plan, you are, you are affronting the Almighty. And if you go to you know, interracial marriage decisions in front of the Supreme Court, the first paragraph reads, Almighty God in His wisdom. Mm-hmm. The, the, same con- the same toxic combination of absolute certainty about, about their place in a noble, Caucasian hierarchy is what drives these people and has driven them their whole life and their dads and their granddads and their great-granddads. So that is what they are trying to conserve. Birtherism is just, they freaked out because a black guy got elected to the White House. Karl Rove promised them that he would have permanent Republican majorities. These people never said a peep about any of this stuff when, when George Bush was president. Never said a word. Black guy gets in the White House, they lost their minds. Now, they lost their minds when Clinton won. Yes. And they did a lot of the same things, which is something we all forget. Call Clinton a socialist, call him not a real president, he's not really elected, he didn't really legitimate... Um, so he, that's all there. That's all part of the playbook. But Ad being black and from a big city in the north, they lost it. They completely lost their mind. And they started scrambling for anything they could lay their hands on. And then comes the problem of what uh, M. Scott Peck, a psychiatrist from the 60s and 70s, used to call the people of the lie. A specific kind of psychological problem that overtakes you when you commit your life to defending a core lie. when you go all in with something that is completely untrue to the point where you can't afford to acknowledge that A, that lie even exists, or B, that reality contradicts it. Because if that happens, your entire psychology will collapse, your entire persona, your worldview, everything, your faith in God, your place in the universe will implode. These people cannot acknowledge that Barack Obama is a legitimate elected, American-born president of the United States. They cannot do it. And anybody who sells them any lie, they'll explain it away, they'll throw money at them until they die. And they're just a dead loss. Those people cannot be converted, cannot be persuaded, cannot be reasoned with because they, have, they have, they've gone all in with the giant lie that is at the center of their personality. The people who I blame, I don't blame those people. I think they're broken and wounded, and eventually will perish, and their lives will go to the grave with them. I don't even blame the politicians who harvest those votes, who know damn well those people are nuts, and prod them anyway to get their votes out of them. I blame the media for not being a traffic cop at this at this particular intersection.
1: And specifically um, the corporate media. Uh, absolutely. Uh, right, these are the people who are willing to turn a buck off of somebody else's... Uh, Psychosis. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. A sickness. They've gone mad. I mean, really, they have gone
2: insane. I do also.
1: uh, No, I do also have, have, and I hear the sympathy uh, and the compassion. I also do have a lot of sympathy and compassion. Uh, And I mean, I know people that are in, uh, you know, my family or people that I know very well that have a very specific uh, type of view, and it is. it is not about facts anymore. It is, nope. it is, they're completely and utterly immune to facts or other types of things. And if they were to somehow let these other kinds of facts things in, uh, it would really reduce them to, almost nothing it is uh it's akin to um there's actually some medical conditions uh (laughs) that that i'm familiar with them right yes uh and i don't mean political medical conditions that wasn't a euphemism
2: that was (laughs) no i mean like uh uh, munchausen by proxy yes Mm -hmm. ganser's disorder ganser's syndrome yes um yeah no absolutely there's a real psychological i'm not talking about no chemical problem i'm talking about they can't afford to face reality and they go into horrifying lengths to deny reality. And as long as you can make a and, and there's an entire political infrastructure built on keeping these people angry and crazy.
1: How do we know we're gonna I wanna answer this after a little bit and I want you to think about this answer, or maybe it's on the tip of your tongue. How do we know that we aren't those people. Uh, and I want to uh, talk about that. I have just, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. This is 89.5, KOP in Columbia. My name is Greg Bush. This is Evening Edition. I am talking with award winning blogger Driftglass. And uh, here's a fantastic song. We're going to talk about this song as well. Can you stay with us for a little bit longer? Sure, I'd be happy to. Perfect, wonderful. Uh, see you on the other side, folks. Here we go. That's the Internationale.
3: Victims of oppression, for the tyrant's fear, your might. Don't cling so hard to your possessions, for you have nothing.
1: And that was Billy Bragg with The Internationale. Uh, two PSAs for you. The Discovering Choices Al-Anon group now meets each Tuesday at noon in the Ashland Christian Church at the intersection of Highways M and DD. If your life has been affected by someone else's drinking, uh, here is where you can find people who understand. More information, call Trudy at 657-7081. And there's a new website available to help you prepare for severe weather in Missouri. That website is www.stormaware.mo.gov of. Provides information about, about preparing an advance for storms, taking shelter, and how to receive text and email alerts about pending severe weather. Again, that new website for severe weather in Missouri is www.stormaware. That's all one word: stormaware.mo.gov. Uh, the time is now six thirty-six. This is eighty-nine point five KOP in Columbia. My name is Greg Bush. It's evening edition. Mark Heim is away on assignment. He will be back next week and with me on the phone to continue this fantastic interview uh <laughs> is drift glass you're a we were, kind, uh, we, uh well hey that's that's what the truth does uh but how do i know that i am not in a psychosis thinking that we are
2: <laughs> so you're, you're asking me how do you know you're not in the middle of a philip k dick novel right <laughs>
1: thank you i yeah. was just talking about him actually the other day with a friend yes uh f- <laughs> yeah. yes thank you
2: best best darn dead science fiction writer ever
1: yes so,
2: yeah um well, perfectly and objectively, if, you know, we're sitting over in a dorm room at 2 in the morning and we're, we're uh, drinking a little scotch and talking about the nature of the universe, the ethical nature of the universe, you don't. You know, if, if, you know once you reject the evidence of your senses, and if you believe that it's all just a matter of opinion, uh, that, that everything is um, Roshamon, and no matter there's a, there's a different perspective on everything in the world, then you have no way of knowing that. But what we can do is we, we widen the aperture we see the world and we update our worldview based on data based on information based on facts we comb through our own um systems and find out if we are in contradiction with ourselves have we changed our mind it's perfectly okay to change your mind i'm I'm wrong all the time it doesn't bother me um i am a self-correcting person i try to be at least and i am as fallen and imperfect and as sinful as anybody else out there um, what I try to do very consciously and diligently is to is to look at the facts and figure out um, whether I've got it right or wrong and what the actual context of that information is. Um, if I'm going to hold a politician, for example, to the highest ethical standards imaginable and simply walk away from them every time they fail to be perfect, then I'm never going to get involved in politics because that never happens. Um, So it's a matter of context, data, constantly looking at the world and updating what you know. So, for
1: example, Greg, did we ever find WMDs in Iraq? (laughs) You know, I was going to actually talk about that with you. Uh, I didn't find any. Did you find any?
2: No, I did not. No one ever (laughs) did. How many people went to jail for that,
1: Greg? (laughs) Right. You know... Um, it's, it's kind of funny. There was a, a, a Congressional Research Service report that mm-hmm. said, talk about all of the WMDs that you found in Iraq. And this was actually posted on a little local uh, uh, kind of a newspaper here uh, mm-hmm. with respect to that. And it was, what was found were 500 expired chemical warfare canisters. Yep. Uh, and that was it. So I've, there have been some right-wing people, like, it's. I think it's the people we were talking about before, uh, John Birchers and such, who are pointing at this thing, see, they had them all along. Well, if they had them all along and we knew about them or whatever it was, aside from the fact that they probably had made it in the USA printed on them somewhere, aside from that fact, why didn't the U.S. military – or why did the U.S. administration, forgive me at the time, let the inspections work? And well, the, the fact is They didn't want them to work You and I know This is that.
2: where This is where I would Stop the debate If I were having this debate For real Because I'm like I'm not interested In religion that. Right. If I'm talking to a person Who's still Convinced that they're Right about that right. I think that person Is no longer a functional Adult <laughs> bottom line. They're not a They're not a functional You know Grown up human being anymore. They're a child right. They're a robot But Just like in the Philip K. Dick story they're, You know they're, they're a simulacrum Um and that's why Orwell taught us that the first thing tyrants and demagogues go after is memory. They want to destroy the past. Right. They'll destroy your capacity to remember what actually happened. So, more subjective. So, since we're not going to agree on objective reality, since we're going to jettison that, because, you know, we can't agree on a chair is a chair is a chair, let's go to subjective reality. Let's, let's look at what you said two years ago and what you say now. Right. Um, let's hold up to the Bush administration as an example. Um, let's project that horror onto the scrim of the Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. Remember what you all said under Clinton? Right? President's po- highest possible standard. Um, y- you all spent years investigating this guy, you know millions and millions of dollars investigating his Christmas card list and who slept on? Yes. <laughs> Every little thing he did. Right. All right. okay, let's all agree that that's the standard. <laughs> not my standard, but it's your standard right. How, did you, how well did you hold that standard up when your guy was in the White House? What standard? We were exactly. attacked. Exactly. And suddenly, you're a bad guy. You're cheating. And This is, this is the, the thing that media matters. It irritates the hell out of the right. Yes. Media <laughs> matters makes its entire living simply quoting conservatives verbatim back to conservatives, and they can't
1: stand they, it. And not only do they quote them verbatim, but they also keep them in context. Yeah, uh, it's it's that's the most maddening thing. It's easy to have, you know, uh, 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 where where you have uh, like like there was uh, the GOP ad where the where the president says, if we keep talking about the economy, we're going to lose. Yeah. And they just like pull yeah. this little tiny quote out of him quoting somebody else. And uh, but media matters. You're exactly right. Like it drives them crazy that like I'm going to I'm simply going to be a mirror for you.
2: And as, to quote the great American philosopher Homer Simpson you know, Everything sounds bad if you remember it <laughs> Right, exactly and, and we have a nation that's pretty evenly divided Between people who are Homer Simpson And people who laugh at Homer Simpson Right. And, that's, and, and, yet, and yet So we start off every election with 40-40 That's why the, the center The people in the middle are so pernicious <laughs> And the people who pander to them Are so pernicious Because I, again, I, I will write off pretty much the entire conservative side of the ledger because they just they won't acknowledge the past happened history began january 20th 2009 nothing before that happened and barack obama caught went back in time and caused the deficits and and et cetera et cetera i have my own beefs with barack obama as a liberal
1: yes me too absolutely
2: (laughs) and um and i knew i knew i knew barack obama back when i was i knew him i met him the first time when he was running for congress in chicago (laughs) And a, a little group I was a part of vetted him. I met him personally. I met his wife. He seemed like a nice guy, very, very bright. So I'm not exactly unfamiliar with Barack Obama's record. And as a liberal, he is a really good moderate Republican. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> the idea that yes. we're going to have this argument starting on January 20, 2009, because nothing before that happened. And we're going to pretend that if a bunch of Republicans scrape off their bush Cheney bumper stickers and put on tri hats. They're going to now call them a Tea Party right, and pretend yeah. that they never had a political history. They never were part of this. No, 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 no. This is what German soldiers did after World War II. Yeah. They burned their uniform and pretend they were never there. Mm-hmm. What? I was in Switzerland the entire time. I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: I was a vacationing Again, for five years. I don't
2: blame them for trying. I blame the media for letting them get away with it. That's the problem. David Gregory is the problem. <laughs> yes. David Brooks is the problem. Tom Friedman is the problem. A great and enduring mystery to me is, for example, how the hell does David Brooks keep his job?
0: Right. Mm -hmm. He's
2: a terrible writer. He's wrong about everything and he has one of the most potent and powerful jobs in media. Um, And he just bought a $4 million mansion on the proceeds of essentially writing the same damn column twice a week, every week. And he he was one of those people that rode the Iraq War into a promotion. He was at the Weekly Standard with Bill Kristol writing... Collins
1: excoriating liberals for being disloyal, and so at the Washington T- the New York Times, and, and it was at the Washington Times too, which is yep. uh, masquerades as media. Uh, so I played the international. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a song uh, again. That was Billy Bragg. Um, mm-hmm. I want to switch gears here uh, up a little bit. We're at Red. St- uh, I was back at Red State, and uh, one of the things it was all it was very mishmash. I couldn't quite get a real good sense of what was going on with respect to red state it was uh, i don't know i i have may, i may have been from another planet uh, <laughs> as compared you know to kind of drop right into red state uh but one of the things that i saw was a a, a diary post about the nlrb and the nlrb is going to keep having problems they said as long as long as it's controlled by the unions
2: yes we don't want labor groups controlled by unions or having any, you know, go, look, gentlemen, <laughs> look up a country called Germany. Right, yes. Um, in Germany, their union members sit on their boards of directors. Mm-hmm. You notice how prosperous they are? Right. So, I mean, I'm not saying there are no bad unions. I'm saying that there is a definite high road and low road in pretty much every endeavor. Yeah. But this fantasy that unions are the problem um, and those 1954 is, is just hilarious and, and, and sad. Um, again, if, if it were some other country they were screwing up, I wouldn't feel so bad.
1: But it's my country. Right, it's my country. And I, I, had, a, I had a conversation with uh, somebody who is rather educated, has a, an advanced degree, and mm-hmm. uh, said something uh, c- kind of bad about unions. Or, or uh, I was saying that some people were lazy, and they said, oh, you mean like union members? And I said, I don't know what you mean. This you know, like unions, they say, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And I said, I don't really understand what that means because all a union and an organized workplace means is that you have a contract and I have a part of the contract and you have a part of the contract. And when I don't live up to my side of the contract, there are consequences. Just like when you don't live up to your side of the contract, there are consequences. That's all – so – like It was kind of bizarro world for me of telling me that union people are lazy. No, union peoples have contracts. That's what we want, and I get to stand with other people that do the exact same kind of job, and we mm-hmm. get to – Collectively bargain because let's say that something where my manager or my administrator or something like that comes to me and says, you didn't do X, Y, Z, or you are going to be up for a review and on one side of the table is you, Greg, and the other Mm -hmm. side of the table is me, my manager, the administrator, my lawyer, and you have now five people on one side of the table and it's only me. The only thing a union does is make sure that I'm not alone at the table as an employee.
2: Yeah. I have a lawyer. the, the ideal labor state is, for a conservative, is you pit it against the entire corporate edifice. Yes. And you'll lose every time. Um, I've been through that many, many times. I've lost many jobs. I have had companies shot out from underneath me. I have had positions, um, departments reorganized out of existence by exactly the same kind of people that uh, Mitt Romney is.
1: Yes, Mr. exactly.
2: Um, and, <clears throat> it, you know, there was a time a long time ago when the idea of union protection was not a dirty word. And the idea was, look, we had, we tried all this before. Um, It eventually ends up with everyone pitting against everyone else towards a race to the bottom. Um, If you, if you, it's it's happening all over again. Any place you work in an at-will state or, um, um, I think that's right, at-will state.
1: Uh, Well, it's at-will employment. Uh-huh. You have a yeah, state with an at-will employment.
2: Uh-huh. And what that means is if you're, they can't fire you for one of a protected federal category. There's five of them. But you, they can fire you for anything else at all. No notice, any uh-huh. notice. It doesn't really matter. You're completely at the whim of the employer. Uh-huh. And you know I've worked side-by-side with union guys and union women. And we're doing the same job. Um, some of them worked for me. The only difference was their time card, and we had time cards at this one place I'm thinking of specifically, their time card always at 8 to 4, like clockwork. That's what they got paid to do. Right. They got paid to do a job of work that lasted a particular amount of time, and they always produced good results, and I was always happy with their results. But non-union people, chumps like me, um, were tossed project after project after project, and it's 50 hours a week, then it's 60 hours a week, then it's 70 hours a week. And overtime? what's that? We don't do overtime. Oh, I, I get it. This group of people over here are going to be worked like rented mules until you drop in the harnesses because there's no one looking out for you. Um, my, everyone in my family practically is a teacher. Teachers work their butts off. They work incredibly hard. The idea that you'd want to strip these good right. people of the last vestige of protection against being told, I'm sorry, you're going to have to work 20 hours a day, 300 days a year, For a nickel. If you don't like it, take a walk. And and the thing is, it used to be that you had the trades on one side and you had teachers on the other. And what you had in the trades were a lot of money. In the teachers you had respect. And some of the poor fools who fell for the whole freelancing notion of I don't need the union, I don't need protection. I'm immortal. I can work hard. I can make right. a lot of money doing just this job, and I can, well, that's great. That went on for 20 or 30 years, and now those people are now making less than teachers used to make, not because teachers are getting rich, but because you, my friend, got screwed. It mm-hmm. took away your pension and gave it away. It took away your protection and gave it away. They took away any semblance of respect for you and gave it away, except you're not mad at the people who took those things away from you. You're mad at the teachers.
1: And the cops. Right. And the firefighters. And the, the the puppet masters are just kind of throwing red meat and saying, yeah. You all need to compete down there.
2: Yeah.
0: That's what it is.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's um it's not exactly an accident. I mean, if you read you know, old school conservative literature, this is going back to the twenties. They thought that depression was a mistake. It should have been allowed to run its course. They still, you know, are, are offended by that man in the White House. Um They want to roll back Social Security. They want to roll back Medicare. Every time the minimum wage goes up a nickel, every conservative in the country loses their damn mind and swears that we're going to end up as a socialist hellhole. Well, that's never happened. But it doesn't stop them from saying it every single time. And every two to four years, they get a little bit closer to undoing everything that keeps us protected, safe, and civilized. And it's our job to push back against that. And the pushback, again, pushing back against a conservative is just a waste of effort. The only place where there's any flex at all in the system is in the middle, and that's where I focus my attention.
1: Well, I, 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 don't, dis- I, I don't disagree with you, and I think, uh, I think we're also winning by demographics as well. Yeah, I uh, agree, yeah. Because, I, and I had a conversation with somebody who uh, uh, actually teaches political science in Kentucky, and he was... he. he he thought, well, all the students that he teaches uh, at a university level, he teaches political science at a university level. Uh, the students that he teaches, they don't have a lot of discerning with respect to things that are on the Internet. And they just read something and they believe it and and that sort of thing. And I think that might very well be true with the TMZ crowd. Uh, mm-hmm. But I told him, I said, I have the exact opposite Way of talking about things like there's people that are uh, my contemporaries and younger who are very skeptical until they read it from two or three sources until they see some, the, the, you know, there's a, a reputation uh, that certain sites or that sort of thing have built up over time. Uh, And I have to explain to people older than me, not you obviously, but people older than me that just because it's on, you know, Joseph Farah's website doesn't necessarily mean the world net daily doesn't necessarily mean (laughs) that it's gospel truth.
2: Yeah. So, and, and I got to commend you because, um, one of the things, you know, if we had a whole nother hour, we should talk about all the things that liberals do wrong. um, we love graphs. We love <laughs> they don't work. talking about yeah. the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics and how this ticked up and that ticked down and the right. prevailing trend. And if you look at the blue line, well, okay, that's great. I have no problem with that. I will wonk out with anybody. To I, I, That's what I used to do for a living, that sort of thing. It, it's You know, I get that. But, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. We just, I mean, about 30 seconds of that is just Xanax for. Any normal human being, it turns people absolutely off. What we need to get better at, and there's some people who are really good at that. Elizabeth Warren is really good. at this.
1: I think so too. Telling
2: stories, mm-hmm. you know, mastering that ancient profession of storytelling, of making a compelling narrative out of the out of those charts and graphs because they don't tell anything in and of themselves. And stories have to have heroes and villains and arcs. You have to has to be you know a minute long or five minutes long or an hour long or Scheherazade, whatever 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 your audience is. Um, and liberals, you know, liberals generally, I hate to, you know, paint my own people like this, Greg, but we kind of suck at storytelling.
1: I, I don't disagree with you. And there's an awful lot of hand-wringing that we do as well. Yeah. Of Like, with respect to the uh, invasion of Iraq, there were some people like, well, let's just talk about this a little more. And it reminds yeah. me of the Galactic Senate scene from, uh, from Phantom Menace. <laughs> uh, or, or, you know... Yeah. Uh, or at, uh, Attack of the Clones were like, well, let's have a commission and talk about this. And I think, actually, this is going to be, this is a bad idea. I don't need a commission or anything to, mm-hmm. because what you want to set up a commission for is to find out a way how you and your constituencies can profit off of what you consider this to be an inevitability.
2: Mm-hmm. That's the only and that's, thing And that's you exactly want. what happened. I mean, and that's what happened. all of the, all the defense contractors lining up at the trough before the war even started. You know, that was, this was, Again, I don't want to relitigate Iraq, but there are certain things that are extremely useful, quick, up-check, down-check barometers of where a person stands on things. Right. And, you know, I I sort of go down my list, and it's a short list, and it's caricaturish, and, and, you know, I'm not perfect. But if I size a person up as not really just sort of a wall, nothing's getting in. Um, We'll talk about the weather. We can talk about sports. We can talk about kids. That's great. But I'm not going to engage that person politically. I am going to out myself as a liberal. Oh yeah, I am going to you know say if they come across the table as you know I'm a conservative and I think you know George Bush is the greatest man who ever lived. Well, I'm a liberal, and and I'm going to try to find a place in his or her continuum where we can work together or talk enough so that they can see me personally as a human being. Yes, Uh, you must be one of the good ones. No, I'm a typical liberal. Mm. I'm real typical. What you've been sold all these years is a pack of lies. Right, and. That's where my pity comes in, which is, imagine if you had to face the fact that you've been a complete idiot for 50 years. (laughs) Everything you've been told is a lie, and everyone you trusted has, has played you for a chump. That's what they're facing. That's, that's and that's the alternative tough. to being a conservative,
1: right? And that is that is a really difficult thing to have manifest. Uh, yeah. And with the charts and graphs, and you can, and I've talked to people who are, you know, masters in statistics, and they say, well, you know, really can make statistics, you know, uh, do anything. Um, yes. And so that's when you show them graphs of like, here's here's a, here's a historical graph or an historical graph, they will say, well, you can make numbers kind of pretty much do anything you want. And then, in the same moment, they'll quote you a poll that they put out. From Fox and Friends, and you know, ninety-seven percent of people think that mm-hmm. you know there's a Kenyan in the White House <laughs> that's, something. That's like, just what a liberal would say. Yeah, that's just right. That's and just what a right.
2: You know, I shrug my shoulders a lot more now than I used to twenty years ago because I've just given up on a fairly wide swath of the American public, and which is kind of sad. But that's the country I live in, not the country I want to live in. Right.
1: Last thing, uh, we're just finishing up here. Last thing, uh, let's talk about what I call the uber-bond villain and his criminal enterprise, News Corp. We're not going to talk about uh, – <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. a bond villain. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca Brooks, who's been brought up on charges now with just within the last week. But you contend, and you have about a minute here, you contend that Fox wants the president to be reelected. Talk about that.
2: I think Fox is um, – I, I think they figured out how to govern the minority. I think that the, the, the two years in which the Tea Partiers, the alleged Tea Partiers, um, came to Washington and just stopped everything, which were just a bone in the throat of democracy, showed that they could govern from a minority. You don't have to own the White If you want to destroy the government, which is basically what they want to do, um, stop everything, you don't need to be in the White House. You just need to have enough people in the House or enough people in the Senate to block everything and to have absolutely no compunction about doing that. And they've got that. So it's a much better um, dollar for Fox News to have someone in the White House to hate, to have a white-hot rage against, to have Fox alerts about his latest outrage than a bland technocrat, automaton like Mitt Romney, who will sign in the Ryan budget, who will do everything that Grover Norquist wants him to do, who will be a willing, empty vessel for the, the wishes of the right. But that takes all the fun away. That's why abortion will never be... Um, relitigated in this country because it's too big a cash cow for the right. It's true. And so um, mm-hmm. I think it's a much better business proposition for the right to have the Kenyan usurper in the White House. And Fox News runs the GOP now, and they are a business.
1: Uh, is a fantastic it was one minute 20 but synopsis of uh, Fox <laughs> News. uh this is 89.5 klp in columbia my name is greg bush this is a very special edition of evening edition my guest has been drift glass who blogs every day sometimes twice a day you can find him just search drift glass you'll find it he's also one half of the professional left podcast you can download the podcast from Crooks and Liars, from TheProfessionalF.com, from iTunes. from
2: Yes. And Blue Gal. My, Blue my Gal. lovely wife is does all the heavy lifting on that. She makes both of us sound so good that, you know, I, all I have
1: to do is talk. All right. We're going to have some pixies playing us out. Thank you, sir. Best wishes. Good luck. Thank you, Greg. And uh, we'll talk with you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: bye my
1: Stay tuned, Sex, Drugs, and Civil Liberties with Dan veets is coming your way. This has been Evening Edition with Greg Bush. Stay tuned. Tonight, Dan Veetz, Good Sounds of Jazz, Lullaby on Broadway with Dave Collins. 89.5 KOP in Columbia, it's 7 o'clock.